0: Welcome to episode seven of the Cinema Podcast. I'm hoping everybody enjoyed episode six, which featured my first guest, uh, actress and filmmaker Tucky Williams, and what a hell of an interview she gave. So I I really look forward to having her back again. Episode seven is going to be about critical thinking, and, and I feel that is just something that is sorely missing from the landscape. I'm going to give an example. Uh, I heard someone say that they saw the new Lion King remake, the, the CGI live action, if you will, Disney Lion King remake, and they said that it sucked. Sucked is a word that is devoid of any type of critical thinking. And we've learned lately to construe sucked with we don't like. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it sucks. You can not like something and it can still be good. It's it's no different than walking into a museum, looking at a famous painting and going, it sucks. Well, no, if it sucked, it wouldn't be in the museum. You may not respond to the painting. And it would be interesting to find out why you don't care for the painting. To say the painting sucks means... That you're totally dismissing it that it has nothing of value or relevance whatsoever or devoid of any type of talent this is why i created cinema i mean i have done more than my share to support why i believe jaws the revenge is not a real movie yes i do believe jaws the revenge sucks but i can support that with a heap of evidence and not just here on this podcast Go read my blog for the visual evidence. I can support that statement. But we've become a society now that we dismiss everything out of hand. It's either awesome or it sucks. And in between lies the ability to actually have to think about things. Imagine actually thinking about something before you open your mouth. So back to The Lion King. So this person said that The Lion King sucked. And I said, well... Was it made badly? Well, no. And, and I said, well, what was the, the music bad, the direction bad? I mean, look, it's directed by John Favreau. It, it's, it's not like this guy is a terrible director. So it's made by Disney, has plenty of money behind it. And again, that doesn't always mean quality. I understand that. However, to say that it sucks, really what it means is you did not respond well to it. You may have liked the original. That may have been more your speed. You may have grown up with it. Uh, you may have more memories attached to it. A lot of people feel that that this new type of CGI animation, it's, it's kind of hard to warm up to. As much as you want to love it, The the mind just doesn't seem to want to accept it. Uh, We we know that's not a real lion, so there seems to be some type of conflict in the head going, well, wait a minute, it's not really a lion, but yet it's talking. Maybe the voices didn't work. Regardless of of what comes out of the movie, to dismiss a multi, multi multi-million dollar film as it sucks is pretty much just Cliff Notes criticism or outright laziness. When you say something sucks... My instant response is, well, support that. As much as I am not a fan of the George Lucas prequels to Star Wars, I can't say that they suck. To say they suck means that they're incompetent across the board that they're badly made badly put together yes you can argue that some of the writing isn't good or all of the writing isn't good hundreds of millions of dollars were put into the making and marketing of these films and on top of it top of the line special effects wardrobe design all of that stuff no the movies don't suck i can't really get behind them i do not respond well to the prequels and in fact i i think they're pretty bad in a certain number of ways which I can support. In fact, if you just simply go to Mr. Plinkett's reviews under Red Letter Media, I think he says it all about the prequels. I don't ever have to do a podcast, a cinema podcast on the Star Wars prequels because Red Letter Media's Mr. Plinkett totally and completely defines what is wrong with George Lucas's prequel trilogy. We now look to a website to give us a certified fresh uh, that kind of thing. That's so different than thumbs up or thumbs down. What Roger Ebert used to do, and yes, he would give his thumbs up or thumbs down, but Ebert really understood film and, and he would support as to why he gave his thumbs up or thumbs down. With Rotten Tomatoes, you have a collection of, of reviews. They're all put together and you get a median score out of it. And, but that doesn't take into account a number of other things. Most of all, critical thinking. And the one thing that I've learned since doing professional filmmaking full-time is that everyone has an opinion and and people just like to tear shit apart. The great film reviewer John Squires wrote one time in a tweet. He said, The one thing I've learned from 10 years of writing about movies is that people want to be angry, outraged, and unhappy about movies. They crave it. People just want to hate something. And and John writes for Bloody Disgusting and, and we're Twitter friends. But, but Squires doesn't just write for a horror trade. He writes film like Scott Weinberg. He loves film. He appreciates a film that may have fallen short of its mark. His writing points out strengths and weaknesses and he, and he understands the medium as an art form. It's more than just knowing your horror film criticism. And and I'm putting that in quotes is about conveying to a reader why something worked or did not. It's not about liking or disliking it or, or fixing some kind of score or rating. Like that's what we've become. We've just become so damn dismissive of everything. And Tucky Williams spoke about this in our, in my last podcast where her movie goes up and people are like, it sucked. Oh, it looked like an old eighties movie. This sucks. Oh, it wasn't pornographic enough so it sucks. Scott Weinberg even follows up in a tweet where he said, I didn't realize until I joined Twitter that 80% of loving movies is complaining about movies. So all these people out there, oh, I love movies. I love film. I watch, you know, hundreds and hundreds of films, but yet They love to bitch about them and they love to tear them apart and they love to ruin them. Like John Squire's Weinberg guides his reader and explains why he sees a film as a success or why it doesn't work. You'll never get from these guys, I hate it. This sucks. And that's because they love movies. They enjoy them. Both men see the magic in the medium and and they don't let cynicism poison their hearts. Film is the closest thing above modern medicine and technology that we have to magic. Film is immortality in this world. So, so why is there so much piss and vinegar? So many people these days say, you know, films suck, but what is their point of reference? Do those who decry the state of the industry have a true point of reference? Most of all, do they watch enough movies to qualify their complaints that that's what it really comes down to. You get a lot of people who complain about shit, but what have they really watched? Look, I love the eighties and I lived a life worthy of a John Hughes movie, man. However, I don't judge all comedies today by the holy trinity of the breakfast club, 16 candles and weird science. As with horror, these films were defined by their era. I have a blog article on Friday the 13th, which explains why the original film and its 80s sequels flourished in Reagan's time, but the franchises stumbled recently. Why didn't the remake take off the way that they had hoped? Because it's a different era and those films represented a different time. I love seeing new stuff and I have a huge appreciation for the work that goes into anything. I know my horror. But I took a horror film class in college and even though I thought I knew everything there was to know, I learned a lot. The goal is to learn more and I do when I read other people's work. Open your mind and when that happens, you will expect more as a result and you'll suddenly go, wow, there, there is a lot more out there. The other thing that I get all the time from interviews is you rant. You sound like you're ranting. No, man, I'm just passionate about what I talk about. That's the opposite of cinema, C-Y-N-E-M-A. I care about what I do for a living. I care that I'm making something good that gets out there to an audience. I take that responsibility seriously. So when someone praises or criticizes your film, it, it should come from critical thinking and a solid understanding of the material. And this leads me to my very first motion picture, The Fields. I wrote and I produced it. It is based on the true story of what happened to me on my grandparents' farm in, in the late summer, early fall of 1973. I can't say that The Fields is my favorite film out of all seven feature films that I've made. In fact, it ranks pretty low. So the point of critical thinking is to apply critical thinking to a review of my film, The Fields. So let me give you some context here. The Fields was the true story based on my life. I am the little boy in the film. Cloris Leachman plays my grandmother and Tara Reed plays my mother. This reviewer picked on a number of things in the film, which I will provide a link to my cinema blog, which allows you to read this review, which I screenshot and I put up onto my blog so you can see it all right there. So I'm not taking anything out of context. So this reviewer also singled out a scene in the film where Cloris is talking to her grandson Uh, about a black man. Uh, This boy was asking her a question about why his skin color is so dark and Chloris gets into it where uh, an exchange comes around that the reviewer wants to imply that is basically racist and that we were going for laughs with this scene. So I'm going to play the clip for you right now. This is the audio from that scene. I'm going to provide the context because if you watch the whole movie, you'll know that this reviewer is way off base. Nanny, why is Charlie's skin darker than mine? What? Why is his skin darker than mine? You're That's a bad word. Nah. Let me tell you something. They were real good to my mom and me when we was growing up. Well, let's see. We've got Trudy, of course, Gracie. You never met Bubba. He's dead. He jumped a the big bridge, right? Yeah, that's right. Want be for dinner tonight. For huh? sure. Okay. How come Aunt Gracie never visits? She don't drive. Does she like me on like Trudy? say colored, don't say niggers, yes. okay? I came from a, a very white bread town. It was all white people. And my grandmother's sister was dating a black man named Charlie. And Charlie was the first dark skinned man I had ever seen. And as a little boy, that threw me entirely off. I had questions. It wasn't that I didn't like him. It's not that I thought he was scary. I was just curious to see this. He was a very big man, very nice man, very kind, who used to come to my grandmother's house a couple times a summer and he would also barbecue a huge grill of chicken and he would stop by Maryland fried chicken to bring a bucket of it as well. For me, he brought it just for me that I could eat while he was cooking his barbecue chicken, which was fantastic. And there were people that have said, Oh, of course you got to make the black man have chicken. What the hell do you want me to say? That's what he did. I'm not a racist and I'm not encouraging a stereotype because I guess Charlie was fucking encouraging his own stereotype because that's what the man did. Maybe I should have had him bring some veal. Or maybe he could have brought some seafood. No, the guy loved chicken and he loved cooking that chicken for us. And again, I have wonderful memories of all of this. It wasn't written for laughs. I actually had that conversation with my grandmother and I did correct her and say, you know, mom says that's a bad word. That is a scene of an old woman coming to grips with her own racism. It wasn't meant for laughs. I didn't write it to make the audience laugh about it. I wrote it because this woman, all her life has used this word and she's suddenly realizing, eh, that's probably not the best thing to be teaching this kid. And in addition, the word that she uses to replace it really isn't a hell of a lot better at all. It isn't. However, in her mind it is, but this is a poignant scene. And Cloris Leachman fought to keep that scene in the film because the directors were thinking of cutting it out because they were afraid of audience reaction. And that's a problem. That's cinema. And if an audience doesn't like it, then they have the choice not to watch the movie, purchase the movie, support the movie, and go out and fucking boycott it for all I care. This scene was not written to offend anyone. It was about a woman coming to grips with their own established racism. And this film reviewer got that entirely wrong because this person who wrote this article, they don't know movies. They were out to make a point. They were out to trash the film, fine. You don't like Tara Reed? fine. You want to make fun of Tara Reed. However, there was nothing mentioned about the positives of this film at all. And all they focused on were these things from someone who I feel did not understand film at all. Look, I find The Fields to be a very flawed film, so let's get that out of the way up front. This is not about being thin-skinned. The directors that I hired took a way different approach to the script, which resulted in something very different. My own review for The Fields is this. While I think The Fields is a good film, it's not the film I would have made. And I think that's a very fair assessment. I feel there are scenes that go nowhere, and one in particular that I I just can't stand in the film, that that gives absolutely no payoff. To the film's credit, it garnered a number of awards for, for Best Screenplay, Best Directors, a lot of accolades for the performances. But the shoot was unpleasant for a variety of reasons. This experience, I'm telling you, almost ended my filmmaking career before it started. I absolutely hated making The Fields. So if you go to my cinema blog and you pull up critical thinking, the article and you scroll down to the screenshots I have of this guy's review, you know, it starts off with a, with a pretty fair assessment. So I'm, I'm going to read it to you. If, if you don't mind you're driving or whatever, having coffee sitting on the bowl. Uh, here's what this guy started out by saying. He said, Tom Matera's The Fields feels like a movie with good intentions. A lot of time when you're watching low budget horror, You get the sinking feeling that the genre choice was predicated on how little respect and effort any particular financier has to put into it. This movie feels like a personal labor of love. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a fair opening shot. But then he punctuates it with, but unfortunately, it's just not much good. Okay, fine, buddy. That's your opinion and that's subjective. And look, in some ways, there there's part of Harrison Smith that sides with you. It's just not much good. Look, sentence structure aside, why the condescending dismissal of the film? Before it sounds like I am thin-skinned, look, look at the rest. The next paragraph is a fair and measured assessment. So again, I'm finding support for this review. And the reviewer goes on to say this. Dropped off to live with his grandparents in rural wherever while his mom, Tara Reed gets her life together, Stephen, Joshua Orman, begins to encounter some vague creepiness when he repeatedly ventures into the cornfields just outside their house. And that's just the problem. The threat level for the film never rises above vague. I'm gonna stop there for a second. Absolutely agree. Now, continuing on with that review. Sure, the plot is cohesive and the characters are actually well-defined, but there's never any feeling of jeopardy. You're never truly engaged. The whole thing is defiantly flat and the decision not to expand the palette into something truly threatening kills the movie. I would agree. The vagueness is way too nebulous, and as said, there are several scenes with no payoff or clear definition. I couldn't agree more. As much as I wanted bloody disgusting to like this film, I understood what the reviewer was saying at, at the start of this critique. While Joshua Ormond steven makes for a milquetoast protagonist, Cloris Leachman truly hams it up, as his grandmother, Gladys. Chicken meat stuck in her teeth, being accused by her husband of not farting enough, farting in bed later for laughs. It's not the definition of appealing. Perhaps her performance is some kind of septuagenarian feminist manifesto. Unfortunately, it does nothing but establish that Steven enjoys his crazy grandmother, who encourages him to use the word colored rather than the N word slightly more than Tara Reed. And this is where the review goes all wrong. This isn't about being subjective. This is where you got it wrong. There was nothing in there about the farting or picking chicken out of her teeth for laughs. This was exactly how my grandmother was, and it's a nuanced performance. None of this was done with any type of feminist manifesto, as if we're showing some type of independent woman who, the only way she can be independent is to be old and crazy. There is nothing crazy about Gladys in this movie, or nothing crazy about Cloris Leachman's performance of Gladys. Gladys is in full control of her faculties. We never go that route. I will say this about the directors. They never painted her out to be crazy. This is Leachman's take on the role, which she read months in advance. And this is what this Oscar winner came to the table with and sat with me for a week in advance, asking me everything she could about my grandmother. Chloris had her hair cut and bleached, blonded just to look like my grandmother. So her performance is not for laughs. And while some of the things she said and did were funny, at the heart was a solemn performance that tackled a number of things on many levels. While what she says to him could be seen as encouraging, she's trying to find a way out. She knows she did something bad in front of her grandson, okay? And so she's trying to find a way out. She's offering up this word, which again, as I have said, is no better, but this is not some stupid scene just to drop racist epithets. Like I said, the directors talked to dropping this scene in fear that they would offend viewers, which I call bullshit. The scene was not written to offend and Cloris felt the same. And she told the directors that she would not go out and promote the film. If they dropped that scene, it was important to Cloris to keep that scene in the film. Cloris portrayed Gladys rightfully. And that is a woman who is confronted with her own casual acceptance of racism. Gladys would be shocked if she were called a racist, but the scene clearly shows she was a product of her time. No excuses. It does not excuse the use of the word. So all the oversensitive people that the directors feared and all the outrage community, that's not what we were going for at all. The word exists, the word has been used. It doesn't mean that it's right to use, but this woman used it growing up and felt that it was perfectly acceptable. And in this scene, she finds out from a little child that it isn't. Its use was never written for laughs, folks. I keep saying this. And it was directed with that respect. I'll give the directors that. Nobody on that set was laughing or thought that scene was funny, and it sure as hell was not directed for laughs. Tara Reid never uses the word once in the film. The word is repugnant folks and it's use was singularly used for its impact in the scene between two generations. That's it. Well-defined done. The film had numerous and large public screenings and not once did anyone of African-American background vocalize offense. And I brought the scene up directly in many Q and A sessions. And once again, this underscores my opinion that most of the people offended by the word are uptight middle-class white folks with a cause. The review goes on to now take a personal swipe at Tara Reid. So this has nothing to do with a critique of the film, but now gets a little personal. So here's what the review says. As far as Tara Reid goes, she actually looks reasonably healthy here. Can she act yet? Not really, but she might live. And that's what counts. It's nice to see her seemingly pull it together. Folks, this does not constitute film assessment. This guy's review turns into a personal and unwarranted swipe at Tara Reid. Has the reviewer seen any of her other films? I, I mean, he may have. Someone thought she could act, as she starred in some of the biggest films of the late 90s and early 2000s. As someone who made the film and worked with Tara Reid on a daily basis for almost a week, I can say she was professional. She was kind, she knew her lines, and she showed up on time and she never complained and I think she gave a hell of a performance. You just watch her sitting around that kitchen table with Cloris Leachman. The internet allows people to think they have an intimacy with celebrities in the film industry, like they they own them or they have a part of them. It allows them to be judgmental with prejudice. And I'm willing to bet that at the time of this review, this guy never once met or had spoken with Tara Reid. Yet he's glad to see her seemingly, in quotes, pull her life together. How about a little less smug and snark and more critical thinking, please? Tara Reid helped me rescue an abused and neglected dog on the set of The Fields. She displayed a remarkable knowledge of film and its history. Miss Reid ate with the cast, and crew and happily signed autographs and posed for endless pictures with a smile. Tara Reid was also very aware of her current situation in the media. She also knew everyone on set was just as aware. What does this have to do with a review of the fields about as much as the reviewers words about her? His review goes on to say, so not to be rude, but this is the kind of stuff that comes to mind when I think about the fields. It's not insanely awful or anything. And I'm left thinking about something. Unfortunately, I'm just not thinking about how much I liked it. Well, good for you, dude. And you know what? Again, the opening part of your assessment, I can pretty much side with you. However, when someone starts their sentence with no offense, get ready to be offended. Not to be rude should be followed by, but I will. This is how a professional review ends. Not to be rude. So let me now respond to this by saying not to be rude. But what about the beautiful and acclaimed cinematography? What about the excellent sound design and musical score? The production design was solid for a film of this budget. What about the use of an entire abandoned amusement park? Nothing to say how production values transcended expectations for a film of this budget range. This was a period piece. No words about the challenges that face a small, small, Price production, nothing about the stellar performances of Bev Appleton, Cloris's husband in the film, any actual words on the screenplay. I feel my review of his review is a bit more fair than his assessment of the fields and I'm not a fan of the fields. So let's just say the reviewer doesn't agree with the descriptors I described above. How about some comments on why he disagreed? I didn't read anything about the wardrobe design, which was spot on for a 70s era film. However, we do get a personal disdain for Tara Reid, so why such contempt? Maybe the reviewer should just brush up on context and screenwriting. Should I assume that this writer is some frustrated filmmaking student getting paid 100 bucks for each piece he submits? Maybe I should say, good for him. Glad to see he's doing some honest work. While I feel I not only know my horror, I also know film and its history. That doesn't mean I know everything. Look, my cinema series is not about trashing films. It's calling out the cynicism that poisons the art form. Cynicism breeds contempt because it comes from contempt. For many, film has become the enemy, and that is unwarranted. Expect more from your entertainment. Push your boundaries. Watch more. And consequently, you're going to learn more. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison. If you like this podcast and if you're an aspiring filmmaker making your way through the independent film minefield, I offer one-on-one coaching sessions by phone or Skype. Email me at this site or classof85llc at gmail.com for information and pricing. I offer input on your completed or in-development film or screenplay and offer insight into all aspects of pre-production, production, and post, and eventual distribution. Hope to hear from you.